episode 71, Scientific Exploration of How Acupuncture Works. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we are Olivier Roy, Acupuncture's Perspective. Join 2017 Podcast Awards-nominated host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, as he gets a rarely seen look into the specialties of all types of doctors and guests, plus marketing, travel tips, struggles, goals, and relationship advice. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed our Facebook slash video ads marketing series that just ended. Of course, we're going to cover more of that in future episodes. In fact, we'll have one in a couple of weeks with an optometry group in the United Kingdom. But today we hear from a Montreal acupuncturist, Olivier Roy. He's going to discuss electrical pathways that acupuncture works on. And we talk about acupuncture points. We try to find out, is it nerve endings? Is it... Is it random years of practice where people found them? Or is there some kind of scientific reasoning for these uh, acupuncture points? We're going to talk about like the functional connectivity in the brain and the pathways it goes on, how uh, it can help pain, but then there's like at least 50 other things that you can use acupuncture for. Uh, laser in the clinic to help with acupressure style. And why would he use that instead of just needles all the time? I tell you, it was a, it's a good episode. If you'd like to know a little deeper about how it works versus chi and stagnant energy and things like that. If that's not your style, then you're going to like this episode because we're not going to talk about that. We try to talk about the science, what is going on. So come hang out with us at doctorperspective.net slash 71 for the show notes. Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China in Montreal, we have got a great guest, a Canadian guest who can speak more than one language. He's an acupuncturist, and I'm so excited to have him on the show. Olivier. Oh. <laughs> if I call him Roy, yeah. he will not yell at me, but it's Olivier. We'll just go with that. <laughs> Olivier is fine. Man, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks. Well, I like, like I joked before, I spent many years learning French, but didn't really get to use it. So we're going to do an English interview and I'm sure that'll make everybody happy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, I like to begin. Uh, there's a lot of things you could do in life, especially when it comes to like alternative medicine and, and real medicine. Uh, so how did you pick acupuncture of all things available? Well, basically, uh, this path started for me at the age around uh, 21 when I was called to um, basically uh, do some uh, counseling work. I wanted to uh, be able to help people, to uh, do, make a difference, basically. And I was sort of getting out of that disillusioned spirit following the teenage angst at the time. And I, I felt like the world needed like to come out of this jaded outlook that the Western society was perpetuating, basically. And my mother sort of pushed me in that direction. She, bring, she brought me uh, at some point in a, a weekend with, where we did some uh, Reiki initiation. Right. And uh, at that point, uh, I realized the like, manual therapies and uh, that uh, people basically uh, made sense for me. So I started like a training uh, basically in massage therapy at that point. And I focused on traditional approaches like uh, traditional Thai massage, um, uh, yoga, etc. And after that, I sort of steered um, in a more precise direction towards uh, traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture. Are we back? Okay. Yeah, sorry about that. So you've been in the, in the field for almost 15 yeah. years, you said. And practicing precisely acupuncture for 11 years. And uh, after, shortly after the, uh, my 
basic training, I decided to, uh, to focus on um, traditional Japanese acupuncture. So that basically uh, revolves around uh, the hara, like the, the palpation of the abdomen, diagnosis through the abdomen and uh, treatment through the abdomen. And um, a few years ago, I um, added laser acupuncture to uh, my field of practice. And uh, I've always used also, uh, since the beginning, since uh, I've been practicing massage therapy, acupressure as well. That's one of the main tools I also give to the patients uh, so that they can work at home between the treatments. They can work on different points without basically. When you're saying like, like cold laser, or, um, is that something that the patients can do at home or is it just a unit that you've purchased? Uh, and- it's actually a, a unit that I, I use in the clinic. Yeah, it's not... I know some some of those units. Yeah, yeah. It's it's probably the future of laser that people will be doing it by themselves. You know, those those lasers will become cheaper and cheaper with time, and people will be able probably home. You know, because it's it's such a no nonsense approach. Basically, you just you have to know where the point is, and you can stimulate it. So it's it's you don't need like a a, a specific training like acupuncture where you would be. Uh, uh, risking injury with a needle, basically, because the laser, the only thing you you have to know is don't put it in your eyes, basically, right? <laughs> <laughs> the one that I have, it has a an aperture that you can screw on it, and then it takes it from, like, you know, a big yeah. hole to yeah. a tip to where it's probably the size, of, not necessarily a ballpoint pin, but definitely to where it, like, takes all that energy and concentrates it, so it's kind of, like, uh, very yeah. pinpoint um, dosage is that the kind that you use, or is it more of the, the wide opening? Kinds. I use three kinds. One is a, like a surface array where I would like work on uh-huh. joints and like uh, larger surface areas, and then like that one is that is not actually like a specific uh, laser per se. It's um, diodes, electromagnetic and di- right, diodes, LEDs are powerful and diodes that will inundate the whole area, and then I'll use mm-hmm. the actual laser probe to um, get the actual precise dose of uh, photon you want to administer. And I use two different wavelengths. I use the, the, the red wavelength, which is associated with the one that we use to quote-unquote replace the acupuncture needles because you can actually do uh-huh. reflex points with that one. You can do auricular points with that one. And for more of the local treatments to go, for example, um, on the spine or uh, through the muscle, I'll use the infrared. And both of those, red and infrared, okay. they're actually like pinpoint probes. They work like uh, they're focused on uh, one point at a time. That's great. When we're talking acupuncture, we're talking, you know, you've already mentioned spine and, and kind of back pain and things. You showed your, uh, your point to your shoulder a yeah. second ago. What are some of the, when we're talking about like, I want something that's going to show research. I want to know that if I try acupuncture, I'm not just going to throw my money away. What what have you found to be either evidence-based or things you've seen in the clinic all day long that just responds and you're very confident in treating? Well, basically what I'm, I'm seeing in the clinic uh, in majority is pain, you know, whether it be a physical pain or emotional pain. So, uh, like, that's the main thing people go for, to acupuncture for. And it's, it's a good idea because it's one of the things that's been most studied for uh, the, the actual efficacy of acupuncture. There was a really good... Um, literature review was uh, published last year by the Australian Acupuncture Association. And what they did basically is that they, they reviewed the literature for 
I think the last 10 years, because there's been a lot going on the last 10 to 15 years in acupuncture research. It's kind of exciting, actually. If you subscribe to the acupuncture keywords on PubMed, you'll get like 50 results a week of new research coming from oh, all man. over the world. <laughs> a lot of it is coming from uh, Asia, but also Brazil, uh, everywhere. Like it's, it's a hot topic in research right now. And what they found is like there's now, like in terms of evidence, they found a little over 50 different indications for acupuncture in terms of efficacy. So right off the bat, like right. we can name pain, of course, like chronic pain, acute pain, anxiety, insomnia, depression, painful menses, headaches, migraine, uh, odd flashes, constipation, IBS, and the list goes on. You know, it's a lot of functional history issues, basically. A lot of things that... Right. Like would respond to a different medication. You can basically treat it with acupuncture. Okay. This is what I'm excited to know. And if it's anything like chiropractic, it's kind of like the research quite hasn't caught up to clinical results. Uh, how does it work? Are we moving chi? Do we have a more scientific reason on why it works versus chi and hot and cold and stuff like that being unbalanced? Yeah, that's actually a pretty common misconception about acupuncture. Like people think, you know, okay, it might work. It actually works like for over 50, 50 different conditions, but we also know quite a bit about the mechanisms behind it. If you compare it to some medications and probably to a lot of medications, we know more about the mechanisms of acupuncture. <clears throat> if you just look at paracetamol, like a really common anti-inflammatory that people take all over the world, we don't really know yet why it works. We know it reduces fever. We know it's, it works on pain, on inflammation, but why exactly it works? Some hypotheses are added out there, but we haven't coined the exact mechanism. So it's, it's kind of a, the case for a lot of different interventions and medication. We don't know exactly usually what makes it work. We just basically use it because it works. And acupuncture has been used for such a long time. And now there's quite a mounting evidence about different mechanisms and there's so much mechanism now that it's make more sense to look at the events per se uh, if you look per indication. Because if you look at mechanisms of acupuncture in general, it's like looking at mechanisms of medications in general. It doesn't really make sense. So sometimes it makes me smile when I look at results from studies and conclusions. They, they will say like acupuncture works for this, but it doesn't work for that. It's It kind of doesn't make sense for an acupuncturist because, you know, there are different ways you can address different problems with the needles. And sometimes they will test one point, for example, or two points or three points. Right. So it's, it's not really like realistic and doesn't. Who uses three points? <laughs> it doesn't really correspond to the reality of a clinical setting, basically. But even though, even though that's how research works, like you will use one point. They will find amazing results for a lot of things. Like, for example, this one point that we have just below the knees called uh, Zusanli is um, the 36th point of the stomach meridian. It's probably the most researched oh, yeah, point 36. in the out there. And they found results for like such a wide array of uh, conditions that it would help with. And to go back to the mechanisms, like if you look at mechanism as a, as a whole, without like pinpointing a different condition, like a specific condition, we, we know that, you know, it has peripheral effects. We, it will uh, trigger release of adenosine, nitric oxide. We know it has spinal effects. It will modulate the sympathetic tone and the motor reflexes. 
we know it actually, then that's, that's a really exciting one. It changes the functional connectivity in the brain. So the study that found this is one that they were um, looking at carpal tunnel syndrome. And they were doing some functional MRIs, you know, the, the, the brain scans where you can see in real time what happens with the electricity. In the brain. Yeah, it just lights up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a Christmas tree. You see the lights going up and off uh, in the brain. And they, what they found is that when you put some needles in the wrist, um, the brain actually changes the way electricity is being wired in your, uh, between your neurons and axons. So it's... That's, for me, that's the, the most impressive, the most spectacular uh, evidence of uh, the mechanism of acupuncture because you can see it's like it's no longer like chi and something that might be there or might not be there. You see the electricity in the brain. And more and more, like it started in the 1970s, some authors started suggesting like um, there was a doctor, he was a former radiologist, and he started suggesting chi might be actually electricity. It might have not been uh, righteously tra tra translated as uh, energy because a lot of authors contested the, this translation for energy because energy is so uh, wishy-washy. It doesn't correspond to like a specific thing. More and more, we're, we're seeing like probably cheap referred to electromagnetic fields or um, electron transfer, some things in terms of electricity, basically. Like nerve endings potentially as well? Well, nerve endings is interesting, uh, Pat, because uh, a lot of points will correspond to nerve endings. But the one thing that is the common denominator for all points is not actually nerve endings. It's the place in the skin where the electrical resistance is lowered. Basically, you would call oh. them in martial arts the place where you would want to hit the opponent because that's the place where it is weaker because the, the resistance is lower. So you can actually measure that in terms of electrical output. You can measure on the skin where the traditional points were described, the electrical resistance is lower. So that's the only, as far as I know, the only common denominator with all the points that have been found um, in the literature. Of course, some, like you said, are in nerve endings or like close to nerve plexuses, but it's not always the case. A lot of like extra meridian points and a lot of extremity points, they're not necessarily on nerve ending. So the common dermatitis is, is really related to actually the, the resistance of electricity on the area. Um, so two questions then. When we're talking about, we're talking about needles, does that still work if you're using an electric acupuncture pin or the code laser? Do you still get the same type of firing into the brain or that's just a different study that hasn't maybe been done well, yet? Well, what's interesting is that, that a lot more and more studies are coming out that compare head-to-head -head acupressure with acupuncture. And uh, there was a mm. few studies in uh, the last few years. They were uh, focusing on uh, painful, painful menses and uh, labor pain for the pregnancy. And they found that it's, they're quite comparable it, it's in the sense that it, they're both effective. So probably the needle, like there's something there, you know, the needle, of course, is like a, it's ancient technology, basically. It's like a, if you look at the needle, it's a dipole. You'll find um, a north and a south pole in the needle. Uh, the solenoid of the traditional needle also works at uh, influencing your electromagnetic field. And if you look on my Instagram, I put a video at the very beginning. I started posting on Instagram where I put the needle in my hand <clears throat> and I just dropped like a few 
you know, the, the styrofoam uh, bubbles that they put in mattresses and cushions. And you mm-hmm. can see the difference with my hand with the needle on and with my hand with no needle. What happens basically is that the, the small styrofoam bubble, they will gather and stick to the skin where the needle is. So the effect of the needle is instantaneous in terms of the electromagnetic field. You can see <clears throat> an instantaneous raise in the resistance on the surface of the skin. So there's something there with the needle. But one of my mentors, you know, what he used to say when he started his seminar, is called Dr. Zhu. He specialized in scalp acupuncture. And I went to Malaysia last spring to get a training with him. And he started his seminar saying, okay, so who in the group saved the life or saved lives with acupuncture? And as expected, you know, maybe one person, two person out of 30 people raised their hands, you know, because... It's a loaded question. Yeah, we're used to training chronic conditions, basically, in the clinic, usually when we're involved with acupuncture in the West. So, but he has a lot of long-standing experience in the emergency department. And uh, he started saying, basically, if you haven't saved lives with acupuncture and been practicing for a few years now, you've only been told a part of the story. And he keeps on Uh with this scalp acupuncture theory and... uh, how, you know, the electromagnetic field starts from the head and how you can act very precisely on the electromagnetic field, pinpointing points on the head. But what he also said that uh, stayed with me, he said, you know, in case of an emergency, use your nails. If you don't have needles, like, use your nails, like, do some kind of little damage on the skin and you'll get some kind of results, you know. So the needle also works in the sense that you, you make a hole in the skin, right? No, that hole right. needs to be healed by the body. And what we think uh, with the research uh, on the conjunctive tissue, uh, the Dr. Hélène Langevin, she made um, big steps in that direction uh, with the research with the connective tissue. And actually, it kind of resonates with newer foundings. I don't know if you heard about the, um, the, the new organ they found, the adiate organ called the interstitium. No, maybe I have missed that one. <laughs> okay, you have to read about that one. It's it's actually a groundbreaking uh, paper, and uh, the senior author of this paper called Dr. Neil Teese, he commented on the fact that what they found basically is space between the tissues, and they used to miss out because when they do the um, exam with the microscope, they usually take out this layer before they can do their microscope readings. And they use a different kind of microscope, actually one using lasers. We'll talk about lasers again. And um, they found that this space between the tissue is where the electricity travels in the body. And Dr. Neil Teese, the senior author, he actually commented, he said, this will lead us to further pinpoint and detail the mechanisms of acupuncture because those little beams of protein in these interspaces of uh, tissues, they allow for the, the electricity to be transmitted throughout the body without any like uh, given uh, structure like nerves or uh, other things that have been That's our Cat5 cable. That's our highway apparently yeah. that we were just exactly. not even worried about. It's our Wi-Fi connection probably. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot to be, to be still discovered because it's, it's ongoing. Science is an ongoing process. But f- my stance basically on qi to respond to your question is qi is electricity. Okay. 
That's the simplest down-to-earth, uh, most um, convenient way to talk about Qi uh, today, you know, yeah. in the scientific uh, terms. Yeah, I'm a chiropractor, and some of us use the word innate intelligence. And it's like, that's a really weird word, but I kind of always kind of thought of it like, it's kind of homeostasis, you know? Your body is going to give you a fever because you got something and it's going to try to kill it. It's just trying to get you back. Even. Yeah. And I know that's a whole hot debated topic on our end of the of the spectrum, but we'll just leave it at that. We've got some terms that could be considered outdated. We're trying to uh, yeah. update them so that at least, you know, the more of the community, the general public and the medical community can understand what it is that we're doing. And I think more likely to refer. So I do have a follow up. Canadian, uh, the schools, yeah. I'm guessing it's pretty similar to the States. You got to go for like four or five years. And um, are you considered a doctor over there? or Actually, a licensed acupuncturist. Licensed acupuncturist. Yeah. There was a small bar in the beginning about with those terms. Like I know in the States also the chiropractors had this, uh, this turf war with the doctors, like in terms of, uh, I think now in the States they can call themselves doctors, the chiropractors, right? Of yeah. course. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Depending on the state, the acupuncture is only like a couple states allow you to say doctor, even though you went, you know. Yeah. It's like it's a doctor at school, but now I can only call myself licensed. It's like, all right, whatever. We know, yeah. we all know what it's, it yeah, means. Yeah. So I'd rather not be called a doctor anyway, to be quite honest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are y'all covered by uh, the healthcare system over there, or is it cash? It's- it's evolving. Basically, like a part of it is if you uh, you get injured in a road uh, accident, you get some kind of coverage. Um, if you get injured on the workplace, also you get some kind of coverage. But a lot of acupuncturists like myself don't accept this um, this plan. It's, it's probably going to get there in the future. Like eventually, probably acupuncture will be integrated in the hospitals. It will be integrated in the, the system, but it's not there yet. It's, it's mostly private right. practice. So your private practice, do you happen to have any little marketing gems that helps you to keep your new patients and keep your patients that you already have satisfied and coming back from time to time? Well, basically, it's it's like it's nothing complicated. I just try to keep, uh, it, keep it really simple, like staying myself, being honest with people, telling them what, what I can do, what I can't do for them, being there for them, you know, when they have a question and uh, I think that always works, basically. Like, it's, it's, it's a question of staying human. Because a lot of people, when they come to, to us, I think they've, they've been through a lot of different things that didn't work most of the time. Mm-hmm. And this, sometimes, like, they lose trust in the, the, the whole healthcare as a system, you know. And they're trying something right. new. And they, so they want to be heard. They want to be, you know, to, to know that, uh, we can tell them what we can do for them and what are the limits of the, the intervention. So I try to keep it honest, you know, and uh, really simple and to to be to we to stay myself basically. Because if you try to um, to to sell what you're doing to people, um, people will know it, they'll feel it. So in terms of marketing, like for me, it's more about like. Being able to talk about what I'm doing, be able to uh, to write about what I'm doing, to be able to to network with the different actors in the the healthcare environment um, in my area, it's it more relates to um, a way of doing than an actual like uh, 
key secrets of marketing, if you would know. Right. When you got nice branding, your Instagram's nice, your email templates are good. I mean, you got a nice professional image out there, which is a, obviously a, a bonus and, and something that you've obviously worked hard to keep and create. So Thanks. It looks good. Thanks. Yeah. It's amazing that when you give people what they want and treat them like a human being, it's like they, they respond to that. They don't want to be, like I said, they don't want to be sold. It's yeah. so true. So I love it. You know, whether it's China, Canada, or America, people are people and they tend to respond in very similar yeah. ways. Any suggestions for, it could be the college kid who's trying to figure out what they want to do with life or the acupuncturist who's um, not quite happy in their job, whether it's because of finances or they're just, they're kind of struggling. Any kind of advice that you can give? Like basically people that think about doing acupuncture. <laughs> yeah, either they, they, they're thinking about doing it or someone like who's been doing it for four or five years and just like, man, I'm, I'm barely making my rent. It's just not financially. Like, is there a way, any advice to just have them like mind shift? You should do acupuncture. You need to go to maybe a different kind of seminar because you've lost the passion or there's something going on that you're not uh, <laughs> maybe as successful as you should be with this amazing. Right after that, I'd say just don't do it. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you want to do acupuncture, you have to be, I think, in this, this environment, like this environment that I've been um, uh, basically uh, accustomed with, you have to be determined because... There's a lot of obstacles on the way, basically, because a lot of people won't understand what you're doing. A lot of people will like try to diss what you're doing because, like, a lot there's a lot of misconception, like we said earlier, around the science, uh, basically around surrounding acupuncture. So you have to be really solid, I think, about about what you want to do and it, you know the efforts you want to put in to actually do it. Basically, I think. It's the, the, the highest reward you get from uh, doing such a job is seeing people getting better, basically, and getting inspired by what you're bringing and uh, getting inspired yourself after that, seeing those people uh, being able to get back to their lives, get back to whatever they want to do, they're called to, to do. So basically, that's what keeps me going Like every day. It's the people I see that, that gave me inspiration to uh, to keep doing what I'm doing, basically. Because if I wouldn't get that reward, you know, I don't think I would still be doing it uh, 11 years later down the road. Because that's you need something to 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 motivate you, basically. If if you're not motivated by the a good reason to do what you're doing, it it will just become another job, like the one before that you thought wasn't good enough, you know. Yeah, it's easy burnout. If all you focus about is the financial reward, you'll be burned out. But if you got the why, yeah. I'm helping people exactly. on a regular basis. Okay. Yeah, uh, acupuncture. Mm, I'm guessing people don't get better in two visits, correct? Usually, the treatments is a series of uh, of treatments. Like we will call one treatment a series of uh, maybe ten follow ups, fifteen follow ups, depending on what we treat. And there was okay. a really interesting study that was. Uh, Publish on publishing the in terms of uh, the persistence of effects for uh, chronic pain, and it was published in, in uh, 2017 last year actually. And for me, it's like a redefinition of cost effectiveness in terms of healthcare because what they found it's uh, on a whole new level. They found that 12 months after the intervention, which basically consisted of, if I remember correctly, it was between 10 and 15 treatments in that case they found that 90% of the effect of the treatments was still there after 12 months. You know? That's huge. Yeah, that's, that's 
really huge because most studies, they will end the follow-up at three months if you look at other interventions or medications, and you don't have information after that. Sometimes six months, but that's considered like exceptional. And so 12 months sets like a, new, a whole new benchmark for evaluating cost-effectiveness in terms of interventions. And what I'd be curious to, to see is what if they did like pursue the study for three years or four years, what, what would they have found, you know? Because 90% after 12 months is basically like the effect is still there, you know? So it does make sense like to do the treatment like your acupuncturist tells you to do, to go through the course of treatments uh, and basically do it until the end. It's like sometimes I'll use the example with my patients. Uh, most people have taken antibiotics once in their life, right? Uh, and I'll say, you know, remember the doctor when he prescribed antibiotics, he's told you you have to tell them to take them for three days or 10 days or whatever. And if you stop before, you might get a relapse from the infection. It's not like you lose the effect from the acupuncture if you stop after you, you've gotten the effect. But I think there's like a sweet spot that, that's usually there for most conditions. And uh, there's not a lot of research that like focuses on the dose of acupuncture, if you would want to call it that. Like, but uh -huh. those that did focus on that, they found usually the sweet spot is around 12 treatments for a lot of conditions. And then sometimes you yeah. need to like do some uh, more treatments uh, uh, later on, maybe the, the following year, or if the systems the symptoms come back. But uh, there's usually a sweet spot of a certain amount of seance you need to do before you get the results, right. the long-lasting results. Well, they tend to have the same lifestyle that they had before, so it's not uncommon for that to create the problem and to annoy it and aggravate it later on in the same year, perhaps. Yeah. Well, you, I know, I, I'm sure you know about how they do it in China, right? They, like, I don't know if it's still the case, but my one of my Chinese mentor, what she told me is that traditionally they, they do it every day until they get better, basically. They, like, they, if, they get, if they get a problem, they go to the hospital and they'll do it. That's how they used to do it. But I don't know if it's still the case in China. But Well, they have insurance coverage now, so you can imagine... So we do um, between eight and 10 days in a row, okay. and that's acupuncture and the chiropractic. No breaks unless I take a day off, or, you know what I mean? And if they don't get better in that amount of time frame, they have to take a break, and then they can come back. Okay. But that's if they're using their insurance. That makes sense. Usually what I'll do with the – it's a different philosophy over here because, um, like, people are not – don't have the same mindset here. They, they, they think, like, they're still in the mindset, even though they're doing acupuncture, they're in the mindset that they're taking a pill, basically. They think, I'm going to take it, I'm going to get better. So – <laughs> so usually like what's in between like your approach and what I'll be doing I'll be usually in the beginnings like in the acute phase I'll see the people ideally every like 48 to 72 hours between every treatment and once they get better they start getting better we'll space it like to once a week because what we found at least for inflammation when we're working on inflammation is like you'll get a plateau of the effects around 72 hours after the treatment and then it can stop, it can start like downgrading after that. So you want to take the patient before the end of that plateau, ideally. So of course, every day for 8 10, there's less like the ideal course of treatment. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they said, we look into a lot of uh, exercise. It's a big, it's a hot thing where, you know, they're like, you can adjust all day, but you should be doing exercises for the patient's long term. And yeah. they were doing things like 
core exercises versus just kind of going to the gym and lifting weights, assuming, you know, they can do that. Initially, like if they had an acute injury, you know, the easier core, not easier, but the core stuff worked better. But after 12 months, they're like, it didn't really make a difference which one they started with. The biggest difference was them actually doing something. And that's why they encourage them like, just find something you enjoy so you actually will do it. And that way that's better than doing nothing at all. So... I was like, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. I think that's part of like uh, our work also to like, to, we're sort of, we need to be cheerleaders about like the, their success, you know, about the patients, like keep yeah. going, like do something about it. Don't stay in that stagnation and like, uh, and build like uh, anger about what you're going through. You have to keep moving, uh, keep inspired about trying new different things, different exercises, like you mentioned. Well, so, so many of them, they forget pretty quick how bad they were when they first started. Yeah. And then for some of them, it's cycle, it's psychosocial where they're like, uh, no, that's going to hurt. And you're like, no, just try to bend over and tie your shoe. And they're like, oh, it doesn't really hurt. You're like, yeah, <laughs> you, you're scared. Yeah. That's the only thing that's stopping and you. And the right memory now. of pain can be really strong. I actually experimented that for myself the first time uh, last summer because I sprained my ankle. And I, for the first time, I realized myself what people are going through when I treat them and they think they're still in pain, like you're mentioning, because yeah. for a few days I was not walking and I, because I remembered how, how much painful it was in the beginning. And then one of my friends came over and said, okay, uh, how long have you been like uh, rolling in your chair? I was rolling with my like, office chair around the treatment table. <laughs> one of the patients, they told me, can I do something to help you? It was kind of funny. And uh, oh after a week or so, like my friend told me, okay, Maybe you should try walking. I said, okay, I'll try. And I just tried walking and I found out like there was no pain anymore. I was just scared of triggering the pain again, you know. That was a big lesson for me because I realized, okay, that's what my patients are going through when they say they're still in pain, but they're actually not, you know. They're actually getting better, but they're stuck in the memory that there was this painful stimuli that was there not so long ago. It still hurts, Doc. I know, but it's like a two out of ten now. Like it only hurts a little bit. <laughs> well, it still hurts. You're like, all right. Well, I didn't promise a hundred percent pain relief. <laughs> that's a goal, but oh man. One thing that's funny also when you do the follow up, some people they come for maybe three or four different issues, and then you co- you they come in and they still have you know that negative mindset, and you you, you ask them how are you? Oh, still bad, still bad. So how is this? How is that? How is this other thing? Like three out of four of the things are gone. There's still this one thing that's left and they're not doing well. <laughs> Olivia, you're junk. <laughs> oh, man. Well, let's switch gears a little bit while I still got some time with you. We always find it's important to unplug from work. Are you able to take vacation? And if not, what's your plan? Well, we try to take like about a month of vacation every year. We're kind of good at that, actually. We don't take it all at the same time. We take like two or three different periods. I could eventually, I think, take more. It was kind of a therapy related answering those questions you sent me before the, the podcast because I said, oh, maybe I can change this and that. You know, Justin has good ideas there. I'm going to think about that. But for the vacation, I think if I would have to take more, I would need to hire uh, more people because for now, like I'm working in my clinic with my wife. That's, she's my assistant. But I would actually need to hire another acupuncturist I would need if I would take more than a month. And I haven't done that yet, you know. I'm open to suggestions. 
that's a lot in one sitting, an entire month or six weeks off at once. Yeah, that's too long. That's a tall order. break it up, you know, in two or three vacations, yeah. I think I would get, well, I say that. Yeah, I did. I, I had like five or weeks off the other last year and it got long. Yeah. You know, maybe because of where I was at, but I like the idea of like every couple of months having a vacation. That's kind of fun. It's something to look forward exactly. to and then back to work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, besides uh, work, you said you had a wife. You got any hobbies or things that keep you distracted and motivated? Well, I have two kids, so that does keep Ooh. me motivated and distracted. <laughs> so uh, one is uh, is starting uh, her teenage years, and the other is still in grade school. So um, yeah, a lot of my time goes to my kids and my wife when I'm not working. I'm also a musician. I'm sort of a slacker musician. I'm not like always playing, but... It's my therapy. It's my personal therapy. My go-to uh, I, music has always been part of my life, and I always go back to it when I have time, when I make time for it, basically. What's your instrument? I play guitar. I sing. Uh, I play percussions also. Oh, man. That's cool. What's your genre? I do a lot of different things. Right now, I, we've been working, uh, me and a friend, you know, that's we're, we never met in person, but you work on multiple different projects because now you can, it's so easy to send files across the internet and just work it, work on it, and then you send it back. And it's sort of like a conversation, basically. And we, yeah, here's a riff, there's a riff. Yeah, exactly. And we ended up doing a few songs like that. And it was interesting because it's working on something that basically the, involves two people in two different, completely different, different settings, different lives. And, it, it eventually leads to uh, something great, like a piece of art, basically. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Have you have you ever looked at like Fiverr or something like that, where you do bust out a little a little jingle for somebody's? Uh... I actually started using it Fiverr for my my website. I'm in contact right now with a guy in um, in India, and he's working on yeah. the, the scheduling app for my website, and it's been an enjoyable experience because I've been been chatting, talking about about life, you know, in general also. It's a different rhythm over there, so I'm not, like, pushing too much. But he's not done yet. You see, <laughs> the date is past due. So I'm not sure about Fiverr yet, but I started experiencing with it. I've done a lot of Fiverr. I'll, I'll say this. I had one person from, like, India or Pakistan, wherever it was, and whatever it was on the WordPress, it just – it was kind of like a fake lead pages, and it was supposed to, like, capture people's email. Whatever it was, it just – it would crash – and it would never work. It would always like revert back. <laughs> and uh, it took two long, weeks longer than you used to it. And I, and I was just like, you know what? I'm done with you. And I felt bad, but I didn't feel bad because you didn't deliver. Yeah. But everything else I've done, I've gotten jingles, lots of uh, like logos. I'm getting a business card made as we speak. Um, T-shirt designs. I just love it. I can't say <laughs> enough good things about Fiverr. However, I have spent some money that I wish I could get back because the product returned. I was like, dang, all right, I got to start over. <laughs> but in general, you were you, you got some positive experiences from it, right? That's what I heard from a lot. Right. Even if you waste 20 bucks, at least you didn't spend 300 and realize yeah. like, oh, okay. But I mean, there are sites like 99designs that'll do stuff if you're looking for like logos. And anyway, going on a tangent of Justin's uh, passions on this one. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with your spouse? To keep the love alive and feel connected. Well, the one thing we have to do is, since we're working together, we have to create some sacred spaces, sacred times where we're not talking about work, not talking about mm -hmm. what we're going to do, what we did, and whatever. Just like enjoying ourselves and doing other things. And we have like a, 
romantic getaway coming along soon because um, we both have our birthdays on the same day. It was yesterday, actually. Oh, happy birthday! So we 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 planned this uh, last weekend. We're gonna gonna go on a romantic getaway. So we're looking forward to that. So we're trying to do like different things and just work because it's easy to get. Since also I work from the 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 ground floor of my house, you know. So I have to over the years I developed like you know stealth ninja abilities to go from work mode to weekend mode like almost instantly automatically uh, for my wife it's newer like for her she's been involved in different kinds of works um, before so but we have to always keep that balance to you know work is important but life is important also work is a part of life it can't become like your whole life and my vision when i first started i want what i want is like to basically be able to um, to uh, integrate work in my life instead of making uh, my whole life about work. So I pictured myself, you know, gardening, and then a, a patient comes along, I wash my hands, I go back in the clinic, and then uh, the patient is resting, I do other stuff, and then another one comes along, and go back to the garden after that. You know, sort of integrate the work into the seamlessly into the, the, the life flow. Because I think work sometimes, a lot of what brings people, you were mentioning burnout before, uh, is they make work their first priority and they forget about the other priorities. And that's, you can't do that for very long. You, you'll be able to sustain it for a while, but it's, it's, it won't stick in the long run. So you have to be able to keep that balance. When you're working with your wife, because I work with my own wife as well, but are, y'all, are you able to, how do you manage not like <laughs> wanting to fire her? Obviously, she might be awesome, so she never needs to get fired. But you know, there's certain things you're like, I wish you would just do it my way, or you know, like you can do with an employee. Does that ever come up, or there's enough just kind of mutual respect where you don't have to deal with it? Look, it's been only two years that we're working together, but for me, it's been like a, a learning experience in the sense that I'm such a control freak, you know, I admit it myself. And, uh, you know, as a business owner, I think all of us are at some some level. You know? You kind of have to be a little yeah. bit, yeah. So it's basically what I, I learned in the last two years is that my way is not necessarily always the best way. You know, she has her mm-hmm. ways and she, for for a lot of things, she's better than me, actually. I, I got better because of her, you know, and uh, I'm really thankful for her because she's really good. She's, she's, she's has helped me grow, basically. And on a multiple uh, amount of levels, not only like on a personal level, but even I, I'd say on a business level, because she has experience from other fields and other um, environments, other work environments. And that was brought to the table. And uh, I can't thank her enough for that. So, of course, you know, when there's tension at work, like if it's not your spouse, when you leave work, it's it's over. So the, the challenge when you're working with your spouse is to be able to to keep that harmony, you know, keep that harmony going. You don't need to fight. It's it's not so, if you keep things in perspective, work is one of the things, you know. You have to keep it that way. Work is just one of the things in life. Very good. We're going to wrap this thing up here. Happen to have favorite books, blogs, or podcasts that you secretly love and some that you just have to recommend everybody look at? Well, I'm always reading something. I can tell you what I'm reading now. I'm reading this book called... Um, Donut Economics by Kate Roward. And it's it's actually pretty uh, interesting because what she's saying in that book, uh, I'm not done yet. Uh, it's thick too. Do you know about this book? 
No, it's just it's thick. Yeah, it is. And it's basically what she's saying is, is like we're in this mindset for a few generations now that we want to grow and grow and grow. You know, the economy needs to grow. Uh, businesses need to grow, uh, etc. But what mm -hmm. she, she points at is that nothing in nature eternally grows. You know, it's it eventually reaches a point where there's a balance and then mm -hmm. change comes and then uh, a lot of the what grew will fall and then something else will appear. So I think it's a, it's a really good lesson for all the entrepreneurs out there that are like in this, this old fashioned thinking of like you need to grow and grow and grow. I think we need to be shifting gradually like the consciousness to um, getting towards the balance basically because uh, systems cannot grow eternally. So Balance is, I think, is should be one of our priorities at this point. And what, it, like, the main takeaway for me is that the um, you, you need to to be happy with what you have at some point. You know, eleven years down the road, I'm pretty lucky. You know, I'm I'm really busy. Like, I can't complain. And it's it's not about you know always wanting more at this point. It's about you know sharing what I know and being able to um, to keep helping people, but not like um, developing, you know, this this um, never-ending appetite for more, basically. I think of the banks, at least in America, you know, we had that big fallout a while back. And it's like, you got the shareholders who always want dividends in retirement. And then you also have the side of it like, okay, you make so much profit. You don't think you could like pony up a little bit more for better wages or for better health insurance coverage for your employees or something. It's like, sure, there'll be a dip in your profit, but you know, $500 million profit is still pretty good. <laughs> you know, maybe it wasn't 650, but like you supported all your employees so much better. Yeah. It's like, but no, we need to make 700 million this year. It's like, all right, well, okay. But at some point there's got to be a balance and there's yeah, got to be a... exactly. A and as far as reading goes, like what I try to do... Um, these days, when I read, I try to write something about it afterwards, you know, to keep my brain Sorry. alive. And uh, and also, I, I put my wife to this assignment also because a lot of books she reads, I look at them and I say, wow, that yeah. looks interesting, but I have no time. So I, I tell her, okay, I'll pay you for your time. I'll give you like whatever, like a certain amount per hour that you'll need to do like a resume of that book. And she, she spits out like 10 or 20 pages of resume and I read it. And I feel like I have read another book. I haven't, of course. But I learn new things, you know. And one of I have a few like uh, lying around right now. One of the ones that I'm looking forward to read is one called um, ADHD in France. It's in French. It's ADHD pour en finir avec deux pages nos enfants. It's actually packed with evidence, and it literally translates to ADHD coming to an end to doping kids. So it's really interesting. Mm. I'm looking forward to writing some a piece about it, like trying to. Uh, um, create like a patchwork with the evidence about acupuncture for ADHD because one of my main interests is working with kids also we haven't talked about that but so I want to uh, study a little more about that before I write something but there's certainly there's something to be learned about how we're doing things with kids in general because acupuncture can work for so many things but kids and especially they respond so fast in between because their metabolism is so fast and they usually need more, uh, a lot less treatment that uh, adults need. Adults will need more treatments. Kids will need a lot less in general. I'll make the note that make sure people to stay at the end of the episode for the thing about kids. But if you have a couple minutes, talk about 
what it is that you you're passionate about with the kids what are you treating with kids so that people from around the, the, the world can be like oh i didn't even think about acupuncture for x y and z and my kid has that and it's so frustrating so yeah. if you could take a couple minutes and talk yeah, about sure it. well actually this passion was ignited because my 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 oldest daughter she has peanut allergy and the first oh, yeah. time that it happens she was sitting on my lap and we were eating this delicious um, Thai style of uh, uh, dish with that add like uh, basically peanut sauce in, and it was so good. I was eating, and she was trying it out. I, and I, I don't even think she tried it. She was like just playing with my bowl at that point. She was still breast breastfed at that point. Uh, we started noticing a rash on her skin. Her, her breathing started to be uh, laborious. She was basically going in shock, okay? So it was first time, oh, I man. never saw it. I was just out of acupuncture school, and I remember the point on the forearm, it's, it's, it's the alarm point of the lung, okay? It's the sixth point on the lung meridian, and I said, you know, what the hell, I'm gonna try it. I had the needle, I, I basically stabbed her with the needle because what I remember from the class is that you have to do really <laughs> strong stimulation in case of shock. So I did it on both sides and I really, you know, stimulated the needles. And to my surprise, lo and behold, it worked. Okay. She did not oh. need any like hospital intervention. Uh, and I actually repeated the experience like three or four times. On the, on the third time, I remember I was just coming home. And at that time, my sister was living upstairs and uh, she was with my, uh, my daughter and she forgot about the, the peanut butter jar on her counter. And they had already called the, the ambulance and the, uh, the first responders were, were on their way. And when I came in, I did the acupuncture and just a few mi minutes later, they came in and I had to, to sign these waivers, like 15 page of waivers saying like, it's okay, I don't need to take my kid to the hospital. <laughs> I'm not responsible now. Really, are you sure you did acupuncture? We're not taking it to the hospital. No, no, it's fine. I did it two other times before. It really works, you know. So that really changed something in my mindset because, of course, in school, they don't talk about much about these things. You know, they don't emphasize because it's a, a basically a, a matter of life and death. I would not publicize a treatment like that because the time the right. person comes in, probably be dead, right? You need yeah, then uh -oh. so, so one of the things like I'm, I'm excited about in the future is eventually leading a program in the, uh, the ER, the pediatrics ER, that would um, focus on studying different acute conditions um, that uh, children go through commonly, like um, acute uh, bronchitis, acute uh, asthma, uh, maybe even shock, you know, if they get there in time, acute uh, pain, panic attacks, stuff like that. I think, you know, mm -hmm. kids are so open, they're so um, willing to you know, to when they, they feel you're you're there to take care, they they have so much trust. You know, it's not like adults like they have, a lot of adults will have this barrier. Kids, it's it's not there. You know, so all of the treatments they work so well and so fast in the kids. So that really is kind of rewarding for a therapist when you work with kids. That's awesome. Man, that's powerful story. It's stories sell, and stories are what we love. And, and that is that was a great story and, and, and truth. Obviously, uh, I hope that you can uh, in, in your career that you can make some headways to get into the hospitals like that because that would be uh, fantastic. Yeah, um, I do work sometimes in, in the hospital. I do hospital and home calls. You actually, my Wednesdays are dedicated to hospitals and home calls. 
So uh, I do, but when I do that, I'm hired by the patient. It's, it's not like a job in the hospital. So the, one of the things needs to be addressed here, like some places around the world, they started doing studies in the ER. Like there was this really interesting study that um, was published in uh, 2016. They found that for acute pain, uh, acupuncture actually beats intravenous morphine, not only in terms Whoa. of safety, of course, like we, everybody knew that, but it actually, <laughs> it actually beats it in terms of efficacy and in terms of um, rapidity of onset of effects. Basically, it works faster than the intravenous morphine because, like we mentioned early, earlier, it's electrical reaction, you know. And uh, the doctor I talked to you about a few minutes ago, he actually, in the ER, he, he, he allegedly brought people back from the dead that that cardiac arrest because by the time he, he injected the, the medication, the patient is, 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 is heart is not pumping anymore. But when he puts the needle uh, yeah. on the head, something is triggered in the electrical level. And yet that's what he, he says. I haven't seen with my eyes, but he says that he actually brought a few patients back from the dead like that. So, a lot of what we're doing with acupuncture, it works on an instantaneous level. And for acute pain, it's so rewarding because it's not like treating acute pain like you were saying earlier, like you need 10 or 12 treatments. When you treat acute pains, a lot of times, like the patient is better when they get off the table, right? So I think a lot of uh, the, the, the studies that are going on different places around the world that are uh, focusing on ER interventions, some of this needs to be happening here also i'd like to be part of that eventually well i wish you the luck on that one i know that's going to be uh an uphill battle and trying to figure out who you got to talk to and so <laughs> um yeah hopefully we can help you with that somehow so well how can people get in contact with you websites social media all that jazz well they can, you i'm i'm pretty well referenced on google so if you type my name on google you'll find me pretty quick if you type acupuncture montreal on google you'll find it also the, my website address is laclinic.net. So it's kind of a fun. Uh, it's it's kind of a funny name because net in French it refers to the internet, but it also can refer to clean. So that's why I, I chose .net instead of .com because it also means the clean clinic. <laughs> so ah. it spells L A C L I N I Q U E dot N E T. Laclinic.net. You can find me there. I have an Instagram um, profile that we try to keep alive, uh, you know, a few posts a week. It's uh, Clinic Shanti, so Shanti is spelled S-H-A-N-T-I. We also post on Facebook on the same name. Uh, we have a page with the same name on Facebook. So you can find us there. You can reach us there. What, what, what is that? Clinic Shanti. What's that about? Sh basically, Shanti refers to the, like, the origins of when I started because... When I started, you know, like I mentioned, I was doing massage therapy, uh, I was teaching yoga, and Shanti just refers to um, an ancient Sanskrit word that refers to peace, you know. So I realized when I first started, what do I want to bring out there? You know, what's, what's the one thing I want people to, you know, take back from their experience coming to see me? I, I come to the conclusion, basically, I want them to be able to reconnect with that peace they have inside, you know. So that's, for me, the highest goal, whatever they're coming from. If at some point, you know, I can help them reconnect with that inner peace we all have lying inside, I know I'll be 
uh, I've done like a really good job. So that's where the name comes from. Ah, superb. Merci beaucoup for being on the show, sir. Oh, thanks for having me, Justin. That felt like a therapy, basically, for me, asking those, those questions, all those, like, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? How can you make it better? So it was good for me to do it also. Oh, man, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> it, it, it takes us out of our own little shell and makes us question, what is going on? Exactly. People ask a good bit, how do you monetize a podcast? Well, if you have a big enough audience, you can just get advertisers and... They just pay you a fee. Other times, you got to get a little creative, like with affiliates. So you recommend a product and then you get a commission. But hopefully you actually enjoy the product that you're recommending. And in this case, I do. So a doctorsperspective.net slash resources, you'll have all this stuff like Blueberry for the hosting. That's what I use. Set for set. They've got these wild steel maces. Well, I don't use that. They do have these power bands and they're great for stretching and mobilizing joints that definitely are locked up. Mentor box, get a book, listen to it by the author, summarizing the book, but also things that they learned since they wrote it, as well as a workbook to help you out. We got Primal Doc as a coupon code for Primal Health Bone Broth. It's paleo autoimmune diet based. You got no sugar, no soy, no no allergies, no gluten, no dairy. And you can save 10% off with the Primal Doc code. You got Russell Brunson and ClickFunnels. If you ever wanted .com secrets or expert secrets, if you click that link, you can get the book at a good price as well as help me out. And then underneath that, Amazon, anything that the guests recommend, if you see a hot link, a blue link in the show notes, if you click those and buy one of their books or one of the products, I'll get a little piece of that and I appreciate it. We have got new t-shirts. We've got a Louisiana theme. It's my home state, so I'm kind of fond of it. We've got a Make Lemon Out of Lemonades t-shirt and of course some chiropractic shirts that are uh, tongue-in-cheek but hopefully you guys like them and gals also if you're into lessons learned in china my first book uh, exercises stretches to help with numbness budgeting all that type of thing you can try four chapters free doctorperspective.net slash chapters also acupuncture if you like no needle acupuncture if you like that idea if you always wanted to try it but you don't have one nearby or you just don't have two hours a day to go you know, commuting and getting the treatment and everything. There's something you can do at your house, 30 minutes for a little over a week, and you can see results. Now, a doctorsperspective.net slash NA protocol, as in needless acupuncture. So NA protocol, and you get four chapters for free. These complete with the words and the pictures and how to do it, how, when you should do it, all those types of questions. Anxiety, insomnia, back pain, headaches. So check that out. You'll be forwarded to a page uh, with a video, and all you gotta do is put your email in, and if you don't like the upsell after that, just scroll to the bottom, click no, and then you'll get to the next page. It's where you can actually download them. Also, if you've looked at doing an acupuncture pin, it's kind of like a tinge unit you would use for your muscles, but it's been modified for stimulating acupuncture points run off of a 9-volt battery. You can go to doctorsperspective.net slash epin, and you can buy that on the website as well. Thank you all so much for checking out all these resources. And if you have any questions, please let me know. Uh, Rank us five stars, leave a review, greatly appreciated. As always, if you have any special guests that you would love to hear or a series that you would like, reach out on the top right of the website. You have all the social media icons. Just click the one that's your favorite and connect. We just went hashtag behind the curtain and this episode has come to an end. I hope you got the right dose for your optimal life. Please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends sharing on social media, and visit the show notes on a doctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. 
You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.